Coming up next on this episode of the Unlock You podcast. I wrote down that after four weeks, the frequency of touching my phone reduced considerably. I would only pick it up, pick up my phone to make calls, text, check emails, turn on my Spotify, check my cryptocurrencies, hoping that I made some money on it and not lost everything. <laughs> you know, I felt distracted less, you know, engaged with my day and tasks. I woke up, I checked my phone half the time. I typically just grab my phone, I check it. A lot of us do that. Half the time, other times, I would just sit there contemplating the day, maybe in prayer or something like that. It was nice. I noticed I drove slower, which is so interesting. I wasn't yeah. always in a rush, enjoying the moment I was in. You know, if I if I did open LinkedIn, I remember opening LinkedIn one time and I felt such a surge of FOMO, fear of missing out. So I see all these massive notifications and I had this urge, this strong urge to respond, like as if I was trying to stay relevant, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just these kind of like ahas, you know, you're like, yeah. oh man, why am I trying to be relevant. I felt a lot of anxiety going through the notifications. I said, man, like I gotta, I gotta catch up with all this stuff yeah. that I missed out on. And I was out of touch of current affairs. And mm-hmm. actually, one of the big ones is I noticed how many times my kids were asking me for the iPad, the iPhone to get on it. And I was uh-huh. like, this is crazy. Those are some of the things that I uncovered that was just pretty wild. Welcome to Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. And we cannot talk about a new year and all the good habits, diet, nutrition, exercise, relationship hacks, without getting to one of our biggest culprits that's stealing our time, our energy, our contentment in life. If we're not looking at how much effort, energy, and emotional investment we have toward our social media, quote unquote, relationships, how much time we're zoning out in front of social media, then we're not actually being good stewards of the time and the energy and the resources that we have. Many times we look at the filtered Instagram reel and life looks incredible. And whether we realize it in the moment or not, a seed of discontentment, a root of comparison is being formed in our hearts. So I want to introduce you to our incredible, fascinating guest, Shadi Awad. He's the CEO and co-founder of Technogy IT, an IT management and cybersecurity company based out in Arlington, Texas. Technogy IT is focused on providing small businesses with strategic IT management and support designed to bring peace of mind around business, continuity, and external and internal cyber threats. Shaddy has been in the technology space for more than 15 years. Two of Shaddy's passions are bringing life to the integration of faith and work and actively engaging in the blockchain industry and yep. investing in c- cryptocurrency projects since 2017. So quite the forerunner, I would say. Oh, you think so? Man, <laughs> well, thank you for having me, Dr. Shannon. It's such You're a welcome. treat to be here. Yes, it is my privilege. So I want to hear about this experience. You're in technology. This is your world. You run your business. You're not like in a faraway village and farming somewhere. Like this is your space. And what did you notice about technology and how the internet, social media, how that whole world was starting to impact you? Well, what uh, what led me to go on that fast and also write about I write about this topic was came out of a discussion from a friend who came out of I, I, you know I have a faith based background so this person came out of a conference where all these people were talking about trends and changes that God was saying to the market or whatever but none of it had to do with big tech AI quantum computing Internet of Things and I was like hold on a second like how's that even possible There's so much happening but the church wasn't talking about that at all 
So it, it kind of led me down this road back in 2018 to just take a deeper dive. And that's where I uncovered a lot of stuff around the algorithms and how Silicon Valley was developing their apps mm -hmm. on how to capture our time and attention yeah. and for reasons, right? And so I started to discover that and it led me to, to, to run a write about it. Fascinating. And was there anything in your own life or people around you that you were seeing, man, some of this is taking a toll, even though it seems to hit the dopamine reward pathway, it seems innocent enough. It's not cocaine on the streets with a guy with a big oversized jacket. Right. And yet right. there can be an addictive quality. I think I think a lot of us, you know, we, we tend to go two feet in when it comes to tech, we jump into Facebook, mm -hmm. we jump into TikTok, people jump into that stuff, but they really don't know what the future, we have no narrative, we have no data that shows, hey, what what's what's gonna happen to us if we leverage these products and mm -hmm. you know, how are they being leveraged on us? So I think, I think I've always had this in the back of my mind, like, hey, this is free, okay, nothing ever is free, you know? <laughs> yeah. So this is free and it's, taking me away from my kids, mm -hmm. attention with my wife, mm -hmm. um, you know, just robbing some quality time that I need to be potentially putting into something else. Mm -hmm. So we, I think a lot of us know that. I mean, like, let's not, let's not lie about it. Right. We all know that it's, it's such a distraction. Yeah. And we used to go to the libraries to check out a book and, open that book and read it and then have to return it or else we got late fees. I don't know if this, I'm sure it's the same for you. And today we're bombarded with information, but mm -hmm. like we don't have a choice. It's just coming at us a million miles an hour. Yeah. And uh, so it's just a different world. Like instead of, you know, consuming data and information at our pace, we're being bombarded with it. And we are not really understanding the rhythm that it's pulling us in, you know, mm -hmm. and there's a lot that's happening. So, yeah, it's uh, pretty fascinating. So that's what I began to notice. Okay. And so you went on a, was it four weeks? Yeah, four weeks. Took some time off. Uh, took took some time off social platforms. and just wanted to document it for this article that I was writing for the Christian Economic Forum. And what was, it was just an incredible process. And some of the stuff, you know, I had gone into this 40-day fast, essentially. Actually, it's four-week fast on not touching social media mm -hmm. with the understanding of some of the revelations I got around the technology and how they're coding stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was shocking. I'll, I'll read you just a few of them yeah. that I wrote down. I wrote down that after four weeks of uh, the frequency of touching my phone reduced considerably, I would only pick it up, I'd pick up my phone to make calls, text, check emails, turn on my Spotify and check my cryptocurrencies, hoping that I, made some money on it and not lost everything. <laughs> you know, I felt distracted less, you know, engaged with my day and tasks. I woke up, I checked my phone half the time. I typically just grab my phone. I check it. A lot of us do that yeah. half the time. Other times I would just sit there contemplating the day, maybe in prayer or something like that. It was nice. I noticed I drove slower, mm. which is so interesting. I wasn't yeah. always in a rush, enjoying the moment I was in. Mm. Um, you know, if I if I did open LinkedIn, I remember opening LinkedIn one time and I felt such a surge of FOMO, fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. And um, so I see all these massive notifications and I, I had this urge, this strong urge to respond. 
like as if I was trying to stay relevant, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just these kind of like ahas, you know. You're like, yeah. oh man, why am I trying to be relevant? You know, um, I felt a lot of anxiety going through the notifications. I said, man, like I gotta I gotta catch up with all this stuff yeah. that I missed out on. And I was out of touch of current affairs. And mm-hmm. actually, one of the big ones is I noticed how many times my kids were asking me for the iPad the iPhone to get on it. And I was Uh like, this is crazy. So those are some of the things that I uncovered that was just pretty wild. Yeah. And for anyone who hasn't watched the movie, The Social Experiment, it was an experiment? Uh, Social, oh man. Dilemma, no. So social, yeah, Dilemma, yes. Okay. That that came out, yeah, that's right. That came out, I think in 2020 or 2019. So for anyone who hasn't watched it, The Social Dilemma is fascinating. I hope it's still on Netflix, just documenting how much the algorithms are literally intended to create an addiction cycle and that anxiety of putting your phone down, missing out on something because we're losing the human connection, which then it's like cocaine, right? Like it hits that dopamine reward pathway exact same place as an addict of any other kind. And so we need that. And now our drug of choice is right there readily available. And like you said, nothing is free. So explaining the obvious, why do you think they offer this drug to us as a society? (laughs) Well, back in 2004 is when Facebook launched and they didn't actually make a profit till 2009. Mm -hmm. And what had happened is Sheryl Sandberg, the former CEO, she's actually gone now from Meta, which is now Meta, in case mm-hmm. your, your listeners don't know, but Facebook changed to Meta. But uh, they actually uh, decided that the, probably the best way to generate revenue would be through advertising, right? Mm-hmm. So they shifted their whole model to a social, to an advertising-based profit model. And ultimately, like that, I think that for any business person, that's logical. Like, okay, uh-huh. we got an audience. We could, we could do that. Shamath, which is the VP of growth, he owns a big hedge fund now, but Shamath, I'm going to mess up his last name. If you look him up, he's a former VP of growth at, uh, at Facebook. He's the one that created the Facebook like button. And he actually left Facebook in 2017, indicating like he had, he feels like he had made a big mistake because mm-hmm. Um, he started to see how it started to impact people's dopamine levels, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the advertising-based profit model, the heart of it is if they could capture as much of your time as possible, they can present more ads. Mm-hmm. And so in Silicon Valley, like this was a massive shift because now these figuring out ways to monetize these, these social applications, they knew, hey, look, we need to sell the data that we receive from our users to these advertisers. So when we think of like, hey, Facebook created this for me. No, they created it for me to give them all the information to sell me to advertisers. So you are actually the product that's being sold to the advertisers. Mm -hmm. And that epiphany was big because you're just like, man, you don't even, but but they tie it into a lot of emotional things, right? So Mm -hmm. you're talking about family networks now. You got friend networks you haven't talked to for a long time. And you just feel this sense of like, hey, this is a tool that is beneficial, right? From the standpoint of connecting with people. Mm-hmm. But the tools that they're integrating within it are really trying to displace our time. And that's really yeah, that's really the big thing is the displacement of our time. Yeah, for sure. 
Absolutely. And why does that matter? So whether it's a parent, a CEO, somebody who's volunteering in the community, why do you think, Shaddy, that time is so important? Yeah, once it's gone, it's gone. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's really it. But but also too, like if if your time is being pulled um, and influenced in a way that you're not even fully aware of, I mean, that's that's the Super worst. Super manipulative, part. yeah. Very manipulative, and really, it's about mm-hmm. um, it's really about advertising dollars. So, I, and I know some listeners would be might be like, "Well, that's not a big deal." But the discovery of social feedback loops, social validation feedback loops, mm-hmm. that was discovered by Facebook. This idea that if I post a picture, right, and I hope that it's liked, and then it gets liked, as soon as it gets liked, I get a dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. When I get a dopamine hit, I re-engage with the platform, mm-hmm. and then it starts over again. Those are social validation feedback loops that a lot of a lot of these social uh, these Silicon Valley developers figured out. Hey, if we can trigger dopamine mm-hmm. in people's limbic system, we can engage them to come back for more. Exactly. And, uh, that was uh, that was a big. That's that's the big thing. So a lot of a lot of this tech, a lot of this revelation, proliferated all mm-hmm. these social platforms. If you look at Instagram, for example, they have uh, variable reward schedules. This is like a 1936 yeah. theory uh, that a psychologist put together that they were able to code to, right? So like, hey, let's take this theory of variable reward schedules. Let's tie it into Instagram. So what they would do is you get 50 likes on your Instagram page, Dr. Shannon, they'll withhold like 40 of them. And you'll look at that Instagram Post and you'll be like, man, how come nobody's liking this stuff? And at the right time, when they think you're going to disengage, they'll release the rest of them. Uh. And when they do that, essentially what it does, it floods you with dopamine mm-hmm. and re-engages you to do what? To present more ads to you. Yes. And that study was done on rats, by the way. That's so rude. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to brainless animals. But unfortunately, it really is true. Just yeah. like gambling, you know, you pull the lever, you yeah. pull the lever, and then all of a sudden you're going to walk away in that last one. And it creates that addiction and that impulse. The really frightening thing is when you're in front of social media or anything that you're kind of mindlessly engaging, you're actually disengaging from prefrontal cortex, meaning you're not actually thinking through any of the strategic linear parts of your brain that are congruent with who you are as a person. That's why people spend too much money. They have emotional affairs. They talk to people and buy things that they never would in a different context. Like if I walk up to you and say, hey, lady, buy this camera, buy this jewelry, you're going to be like, creeper, get away from me, right? But if I've already pulled you into this environment and these emotions and these highs and you have this euphoria, you're actually engaging from the back of the brain. From the back of the brain, you're going to bypass reason and you're more likely to spend that money and feel like, oh, it's $9.99 and it's going to go away in five minutes. I better get it before it's gone, you know? And it just feeds a poverty mindset, an orphan thing inside of us that things are going to go away. And so I need to get this now. And this person is an expert. No, they just spent a lot of money on advertising dollars. It doesn't mean you actually need that. And it's all built on the premise of discontentment. All of yeah. marketing is based on discontentment. Who you are and what you have and who you're with is not enough. 
So we're yep. going to show you this glossy idealized life. And then now you're going to feel like you're this hot, attractive model. No, you're still going to be pudgy on the couch, doing nothing with your life, looking at social media rather than pursuing your own goals, even after That's buying right. said product. That's right. And the idea of time displacement, right? This idea that like, like ultimately there are people from all sides that are trying to displace your time, whether it's an employee asking you a question, the kids that are coming, you know, they're, they're not doing their chores properly, or it's, you know, social media trying to influence you to stay on an application long enough. Yeah. I mean, if we, if we begin to realize, look, if we begin to take our time and be more intentional about allocating our time, yeah. you know, we're going to achieve exponentially more in life and achieve the goals, which ultimately leads to, obviously some satisfaction, right? That you're moving stuff forward. I love what you said. I, I heard somebody once say that the prefrontal cortex is like the CEO mm -hmm. of your mind, right? Yeah. It's like, no, don't do that. It's trying to regulate. No, don't, don't, don't. And if you keep ignoring that enough, uh -huh. it atrophies. It's just, yeah. that's where like addictions take over. Mm -hmm. So part of the concern that I had was, hey, like who's talking about this? And, you know, the social dilemma came out a year after I started really working on this. And I thought it was like, man, this is perfect. It's kind of like proliferated Netflix now, which is phenomenal. But even in like, for me, the church side, I was thinking like, I wonder how many people are understanding how much their time is being, uh, you know, taken away from things that are most important to do. Yeah. And it was uh, really concerning. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe we have a number of days that we're on this planet. And so many times people sit in my office and say, I just want to know my purpose in life. And if you're listening right now and you've been wondering, like, why am I here? What's my purpose? I, you know, I make money. I have a family. I do these things, but I just feel like there's something more. One of the biggest dangers of social media is it's so engaging your brain and rewarding it that you don't realize how much time you're not being still and quiet and planful to actually create the future, to plan into the next steps. It's kind of like eating broccoli versus the ho-hos at the grocery store or whatever. The one is going to build a future, but it's not going to give you tons of dopamine at the beginning. And that's why human nature will grab our phone and we'll scroll through and we'll see who's doing what. And we'll talk to some aunt that we haven't talked to in 20 years. You know what? Cell phones also exist. You could just text them. You could also write a letter. I mean, that does oh, exist, man. people. Yeah. But people feel like that's the only way they can stay in touch. That's not true because once you're in there, it's like this little web of algorithms that know how to suck you in. And then they'll yeah. suggest and auto-populate all of this content. And it happens to me as much as anybody else. Just because oh, yeah. I know it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. I just catch myself and go, what in this two hours just happened to my life? And so even, my, if you, even if you correct 25% of the time, yes, you would have not spent that you would have spent on social. That's 25% you put into yes, something else. Exactly. Even if it's just a tiny bit. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. So one is rewarding the dopamine, which is a body leading. And the body and the soul really like immediate gratification. It's like a child that wants yep. the sugar at the grocery store. Well, your spirit man is the true self. That's who you actually are. That's your fundamental wiring that has your genome or your genetic makeup that's unique to you. And in order to get the treasure hunt, the next clue in figuring out who am I, 
Why am I here? What's my purpose? You do have to actually step away from all the addictions that are chasing you and trying to lure you away from being still and quiet and saying, what's the dream of my heart? Spirit man, come forward. Holy Spirit, what have you put me on the earth for? What is my next action step? And many times people are like, oh, it's when I'm in the shower or when I'm driving, probably because that's the only time throughout the day that you've not had some device or something pulling at your attention. And so if we could carve out more of that, it doesn't mean you have to get rid of all of social media, but it is to say that's like drinking alcohol 24 seven and thinking it's not going to be toxic to your liver. Like our soul takes in a lot. And one day I, um, normally my admin actually does most of my social media because I will, I mean, I will squirrel and waste the whole day. I'm like, oh, look at how fascinating, you know, I am literally that person so bad. So I opened Instagram and it was somebody saying, hey, here's what another um, group of people are doing. And it was a man in a dominatrix situation who's high up in the administration, blah, blah, blah gross. And my insides were just like revolted. And I could feel just like, ugh. and we have eye gates, we have ear gates, you have a heart gate, there are things that can start impacting you and you don't realize it. And it, we get desensitized, it's normalized. And while the effort of the person posting was to show and expose like, hey, this is what's going on in the world. It still was like, I don't need to see that. Maybe I can know what's going on at like a news level, but I don't need to see the image of this high up person administration who's putting himself on Instagram in dominatrix situations. That was revolting. And so I just carried that for days and I'm like, I'd rather not be on platforms where I have to be exposed to that. Yeah, I I like to talk about like uh, one of the things I write about is about cognitive bias. Mm -hmm. And if you look at uh, YouTube's algorithms right now, 70% of their videos are recommended by their AI. Mm -hmm. But you are actually training the AI, Mm -hmm. right? So if you thumbs down or you, you swipe out of a video or you stay longer in a video, you're teaching the AI what you like. Mm-hmm. And I do think that some of the struggles in America, but I know in a lot of other countries around, uh, you know, warfare between the Republicans versus the Democrats or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, I think a big contributor to that is cognitive bias. And it's the yeah. idea that I'm only being presented videos mm-hmm. that I like. Yeah. And if they don't, you're going to leave the app. If you don't get the right videos, they're not going to be able to advertise to you. Exactly. So we don't even know. We're like a frog in boiling water. We're just consuming content that we agree with mm-hmm. and not presenting ourselves in front of information that is new or mm-hmm. information that is diverse or contradicts to stimulate the mind to, to expand the way mm-hmm. we think. And so cognitive bias is another big one that I think is contributing to a lot of anxiety, stress, mm-hmm. uh, friendships being ripped apart. I mean, there's yeah. just a whole bunch of stuff, but we talked about that in the article too. Yeah. Yeah. So how can people get a hold of this article? I mean, I could share it with you. It's on, uh, man, that's a good question. I could share it with you. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That, that, that's probably the best way to do it. It was written yeah. for the economic forum. I don't know if there's a public link, but uh, okay. I'll send it to you. And um yeah, it's a good one. It's fascinating. 
I love it. Okay. Any last tips on what we can do to be good stewards? It doesn't mean we have to, you know, put our head in the sand, but being aware oh, yeah. of good stewards regarding social media, what are your tips? Yeah. One, one, I would say, talk about it with your spouse, your family. I think it's an important topic today because our kids are being influenced about it on a level. So talk about it during dinner time. Fit, put away your phones, just engage. Don't bring the phone to the table. Just yes. don't. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Um, number two, one of the books that really has impacted my life um, is a book by Michael Hyatt called Living Forward. Mm. When I had to write my own obituary, right, which is pretty deep. Mm-hmm. So it's you got to write about what people will say about you around your, your work life, your mm-hmm. family, your marriage, your kids. And you kind of leave writing that obituary feeling like you're garbage, right? And so you're like, oh, man, I got to get better, right? <laughs> but you got to get into perspective what's most important and yeah. and be allocating your time to that. That's huge. And I, I honestly would also say manage your notifications. Go mm-hmm. into your phone, readjust your notifications. We're typically only doing what the app is recommending with that's always leading to more advertisements. Mm -hmm. So if you don't take intentional steps to go into your apps and to adjust your notification settings, you don't need it to pop up three different places. You know, you actually don't need it to pop up. You could just go to it when you want to go to it. You can maybe allocate, you know, 15 minutes at a certain hour per day to just go into the phone and do that. But you know that like you have a million other things you got to get done that are more important. Right. Yes. The other thing I would do is um, is ask the question: uh, Does the app help me become a better person? Mm. That help me uh, achieve the goals that I want in my life, mm-hmm. or is it taking me away from what's important? Mm. I'm reminded there's this one verse by King Solomon in Proverbs that goes: "A man without self control is a city is like a city broken into and left without walls." Right? So you think about that's our minds, right? Mm-hmm. And we've colonized, the world has colonized. Every every country has been occupied in some way, the countries, flags, all that stuff. But the one area that there is the new frontier is the colonization of our minds. Mm-hmm. That's what these Silicon Valley developers are realizing, that we can yeah. code to influence actions. So take personal responsibility and realize where you are today oftentimes yeah. has to do with how you're managing your time and what you're prioritizing in your life. Absolutely. Those are some thoughts. I love that. And yeah. I think, especially if you are a content creator or you do need to be on social media, you sell, you know, or business, then it would be important to make sure you're time blocking. So along with what he's saying, and then time that in and actually have yeah. a start and a stop time. So have yeah. alarm set that you're in and you're out, you're strategic so that you're still task oriented. You can respond to messages or client inquiries, whatever you need to do, that it's something that is advan- advantageous to you rather than something that ends up you're swirling and you've like now lost the day. Secondly, be aware it's really wise to have accountability in social media. Um, I know I preach on this like every single episode basically, but it's because I see it so often. I've seen people who have uh, gotten into Instagram and before they know it, they're in a rape situation because they meet up with somebody and you know, like these things happen. And so just be aware that the friend from high school that, you know, you had a fling with at one point, probably it's a good idea to make sure your spouse or your significant other knows who you're talking about. 
Yep. Don't just put it under the rug saying, oh, that's a long time ago. I mean, they're married. I'm married. It's not a big deal. Things start innocent. And before you know it, it's easy to just kind of step into this fantasy relationship. And That's again, right. you're lulled into something not intending to, you're a good person, they're a good person, but emotional connections can be created that are artificial. And again, the comparison of the person who's telling you to pick up your socks compared to the new shiny toy of like, oh, what are you doing today? Blah, blah. That just creates a different dopamine reward pathway than the person yep. you're actually living with. So those are a couple of things I would also want to say. And then last, make sure that when you see an image or you hear something, immediately take your thought captive and focus on what you do have. And every time you're on social media with a gratitude of, I'm grateful for the body I do have. I'm grateful for the relationship, the health, the place that I do have. It may not be the greatest car, but I'm grateful I have one because you'll be bombarded with all these subtle, what's called passive or indirect communication. They're not saying to be successful, you have to have this car or this girlfriend or this amount of money, but that's the implied message that's bypassing your prefrontal and it's going in through the unconscious. So now I have to be very intentional to redirect energy back to gratitude, thankfulness for what I do have and what I do have choice and agency over. And I love that challenge of taking, you know, 21 days or 40 days or four weeks, whatever amount that you feel on your heart to just detox and reset so that you can continue this year and your goals in a streamlined, effective effort. Thank you, Shadi, for being our guest. What a privilege. It's been so fun and we have to have you back. Thank you so much, Dr. Shannon. Have a good one. You too. Bye, everybody.